get your song played on the radio station. I, I might get your song played on the radio station. Cause I you just might be a black Bill Gates in the making. I, I just might be a black Bill Gates in the making. Black Podcast, episode 15. 15? Yeah, we in wow. here. Wow. We doing a real big 15 episodes. I, I never thought we'd be it's, able to do what 15 is, is 15 episodes. a number that like symbolizes something? Because I feel like right now we just got like hella shit that's just like, you know, is it? It's just like a lot of stuff that just ended up happening. Like, you know, right. um, I don't know if we got some energies going on right here, but it's a lot of big shit happening yeah. in the studio right now. I don't know if it's because it's episode 15 or not. And we got our first in-person guest. I'm low-key We shook. actually making black history. What is today? April 19th, the day before 420, you feel me? <laughs> <laughs> we got our first it's hella guess. black, black history right here. It's hella black, the podcast, you know? So you know what I'm about to say right now. Tap in with the SoundCloud, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Tap in with the Patreon or the Patron, you know, we in here sipping that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Patreon.com <laughs> slash hellblackpod. Thank you for everybody who fucking with us, supporting us. You know, we really trying to make accessible black media, you feel me, that actually is doing something, not just like all this. It's a lot of shit know. we got to combat out here, right? Like, <laughs> right. there's a lot of... A lot of dumb shit being pumped into the airwaves, you know. So we just trying to combat that and give y'all some accessible, inclusive political education. Shout out to all my black people out there, all black people. So usually we try. Actually, let's let's introduce our guest. I don't know how she wants to be introduced. We probably should. Have, are you? Can, <laughs> nobody can. Who can introduce you better than yourself? That's wrong. Um, <laughs> so hey everybody, I'm Raquel Willis. Um, you might know me from Twitter, just being a mess and talking about a lot of things over the last few years. What's your um, Twitter handle? That Twitter handle is Raquel Willis <laughs> underscore. You know that branding on point. Hello. Um, <laughs> but I'm a writer, I'm an activist, um, and I'm also a national organizer with Transgender Law Center. Um, so I do a lot of work with trans and gender nonconforming activists across the country, whether it's training folks on how to combat really bad legislation, because we know it's a lot of stuff out there, like bad bathroom bills, all of that stuff, um, or folks just really trying to lead campaigns on like health or public education, all of that good stuff. Um, so I'm excited to be here and oh. show up, you know, in <laughs> Oakland while I'm here. For sure, thank you for coming. You know, I'm shook. Like this for sure is our first guest, and they were asking, um, were we calling over the phone? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> And then he was like, nah, she coming. I'm like, what? I'm like, fuck. I was, I don't know why. I don't know. I'm just used to us two being in yeah. here, you know, and it's like, when she, now I'm like, damn, let me make sure, you know, I'm on point with all my shit. Let me make sure I'm dropping dimes. Because I follow <laughs> you on Twitter. So I know you be coming with heat. Right. So it's like, now I feel, I don't know. We did have some dope guests. Like, I'm juiced for you to be our third guest. We had Khadijah. We had Sankofa. Like, we got some okay. heat. Dope we got some heat. Black podcast, you know what I'm saying? So I think we first. I feel like I've been following you on Twitter. We've been following each other for a minute, but I think we first. You know how you feel like you just know people like from online. Mm-hmm. It's like I feel like I know you, but like then we didn't. We met at like what? Uh, shout out the homie Anthony's. You know, yes. at uh, Ant's <laughs> like going away type thing over at Lake Merritt. So. I know. I'm so sad he's gone. Yeah, I was just shout talking about yesterday. Ant, shout out to Ant. Yeah, that nigga. Yeah, <laughs> he the homie for real. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I had to come in. I mean, I work right down the street. I yeah. live in Fruitvale, <laughs> so like, why wouldn't I be in right. here? I don't know why. Yeah, I just assume that <laughs> this is no one's even ever like offered to pull up. Well, we haven't really had that many guests, but yeah, it we, was. It's dope. This is like I'll never forget this day yeah. for sure. Aww. And Black <laughs> this is hella dope. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I fuck with this. We usually start off with some some Black Joy, right? Yeah. So I think it's important. Um, have you listened to Hella Black before? So we just do like a 
intro part. So a part of our intro segment is um we'll do like some black joy, talk about something that brought us some black joy either today or like in the last couple weeks. When was our last episode? Sure, that was my birthday was recorded. It's been a minute. Okay. Yeah. So mm, your birthday for sure. That was some black joy. That shit was lit. <laughs> that yeah. shit was lit. We did the breakfast program since then. So yeah, yeah if you want to start Raquel and say anything that brought you some some black joy over the last couple of weeks? The last couple of weeks. Um well, I did um, lead this program for black trans women in New Orleans That's around healing justice and violence prevention. So that was dope. Just like being with my girls and, you know, talking about all the stuff we go through and, and centering ourselves in our own space created for us by us. So that was dope. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been traveling a lot. So I, just being in New Orleans was dope. I ain't never been. Like, it's so good. I mean, uh, the I'm food. The music, it's always right some party going on, somebody <laughs> drunk laid out on the street, and you just look at, like, what the fuck is going on? I'm always seated in movies and shit, like, um, Girls Trip, I saw the Essence Festival, I'm like, nigga, mm-hmm. I gotta be. You been to Essence Festival before? I haven't. I'm okay. trying to go this year, okay. so we'll see. That shit look lit. That's like when you, you made it, when you go to Essence Festival, you're like, that's the moment. So you well, went to New Orleans, like, I'm on some random shit, right? It was lit? Well... No, I mean it was it was for that that program. But like, was there like other stuff going on at the time? I mean, it was Easter weekend, oh, but they make a celebration out of everything. So the world <laughs> so is like, just one of those places that's always popping. Yeah, there was like a parade. Oh, Folks had on like costumes and stuff, just going down the street on Easter. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, I, gotta, I gotta fuck with New Orleans. I have to. Yeah, I mean it's dope. It's dope. Cool. What, what about, about you? What about me? Yeah. Uh, shit. Some black joy. I say the breakfast program. That always brings me some black joy. We did that like, was that last weekend or weekend before last? The weekend of the night. Yeah. Yeah, we did the breakfast program. It was dope. Uh, we cooked twice as much food as we as we than we usually cook. Almost three times. Yeah, we cooked a lot of food. Um, being in the Dollar Tree for hell long did not bring me black joy. And carrying all them heavy ass boxes of deodorant and soap. <laughs> That's the things that people don't see. Oh my god! Or cleaning those dishes and trying to fi- fix your yeah, sink. Yeah, nigga. Hey. <laughs> So, like, we do the breakfast program, right? And we yeah. cook at my house every time. And then we also, like, all the shit comes back to my house. You better tell and it's just, like, miraculously, all these niggas disappear when it's time to clean up. <laughs> of course. And for some reason, when this nigga volunteered to come help me clean up, my fucking sink was, stock- was stopped up. And I swear to you, five minutes after this nigga left, my shit just magically started working. And I was in there scrubbing pots and scrubbing floors. Hey, I did run to the store, though. Nigga, I, I did. I did pour I would have traded places. I would have gladly <laughs> traded places with you. But yeah, the breakfast program was dope. We fed a bunch of people. We had a bunch of your students come out there and volunteer. Yeah. Of course, we always had. You know, we had the fam. We had some of my coworkers coming there and volunteer. So yeah, breakfast program. Shout out People's Breakfast Oakland. That's what's up. Yeah, I mean, shout out to y'all because I know y'all been moving that for a while, right? Yeah, like half a year. A year oh yeah, almost Since like yeah. July. I think yeah, yeah. we almost had a year. Yeah, it's dope. I see the pictures because, you know, social media. For sure. So. You're going to have to pull up with us. I want to. Uh. I've been meaning to. I just, I travel so much for work. So right. I got to, when I'm here, like, be stationed here. We're going to schedule one just for when you out here. <laughs> we go send you that Google flight. Calendar invite. I'm trying to keep my headphones on. I got all this hair. See, I just. I How you do that? Okay. Put it in the front, but, you know, my hair is looking. All a mess today. Right. You know, I got to keep a shape. <laughs> right. All of that. I might just hold it. I'm going to just hold it the whole time. For sure. Right. What about you, B? What about you some Black Joy? Um, My nigga hit Dub 5. Yeah, 25. That shit, that's a blessing. You feel me? So just turning up with all the homies. 
That, that was fun. Mixing the Patron in the hand, you know. <laughs> Anytime so you mix a Patron Honestly, in the hand, that's, nigga, that's that Black my, Joy remedy. My Black Joy moment was beating you in b- beer pong like three times. That's probably the whitest so Black that's Joy probably- shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Don't let niggas know we play beer pong. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played beer pong since college. At the University of Georgia. Like, y'all niggas playing that, y'all not in school no more? What's wrong? Uh, like, I don't think it was white people at your party. And they weren't. There was none yeah. at all. But anyways, you know, that was for show. And then also uh, just my students, you know, they had a research project they've been working on. So just seeing yeah. how uh, how much they've grown in some of the community work that they're doing in terms of, like, their research is dope just to see them go back into the community and do research that's actually, like, addressing the problems that, yeah. you know, they are facing. Um, so just seeing my students shine out, you know, that's always a good moment as an educator. Most deaf, so... Yeah, we're going to get into this interview. Wait, okay, black. but the other <laughs> huge black joy moment... And we kind of talked about this, but obviously Beachella. Um, I knew she was finished saying something about that <laughs> shit. Ha- oh, I my God. <laughs> that was the moment. I mean, regardless of how you feel about Beyonce. Hold on. Don't, because let's get this clear. I don't feel anything negative about Beyonce. So I don't know if people took my tone the wrong way. You said, re- <laughs> you said regardless of how you feel about Beyonce, like like I was saying some slick shit behind the scenes or something. You you're not going to have the beehive coming from me. No. I fuck with Beyonce. Period. <laughs> Go ahead, though. No, <laughs> I mean, put that out there. it was glorious. You know, the music was dope. I didn't have an HBCU experience. My parents did, so, like, <laughs> Shout out know. Howard. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> Yikes. Well, she might have just single-handedly helped Howard, though, <laughs> with all they going through. She for sure boosted Roman. Yeah, but, I mean, it was dope. Yeah. You know, she always served some choreography, all that stuff. So, I, I loved it. Beyonce is hot. I fuck with Beyonce. Beyonce brought a lot of black joy to a very white festival. <laughs> Shout out, Beyonce. I mean, it's like, the way niggas joy. was tweeting, like, it's like niggas was at that whole thing. Like, that shit... I should have. We should have thrown like a party or something, you know, like I'm in the sure club and live stream. Some, some, some Beachella um, <laughs> viewing parties. So, that was... Yeah, people was turned up. So... Yeah, episode <laughs> 15, we're going to get started with it. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, I think, towards the end of the episode. Yeah, so we might get into some shit that so actually does a preview, the beehive. But, right. You know, <laughs> I think we should definitely let... Um, Something about capitalism? I, I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later. <laughs> I think we should give Raquel some time to, like, dive deeper into herself and, you know, what she... I mean, she gave, like, a little brief interview, but you, you um, described yourself as a person of many talents and working in many fields, mostly centered around, like, organizing and, like, black liberation, right? So, like, yeah. how did you get into this work? Um, I mean, I you know, I think for me, um, it all kind of stems from my experiences growing up, right? Growing up as a black, queer kid trying to figure myself out um, in the South. So I grew up in Augusta, Georgia. Ooh. Right, and so not Atlanta. Like when I say Georgia, people be like, "Oh, Atlanta." I'm like, "No." Yeah, how far out of Atlanta is that? That's like, I'll, that's the only way I judge things. Like, right, it's two hours away. Two hours. Oh, oh, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I've heard. Like if you go even 20 minutes outside of Atlanta, it's like a whole. Sticks, yeah. You might get got. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> um, so I mean, my experiences with like isolation, not having a support system for my identity, and all of that stuff, really kind of informs my work. Um, And then when I got to Atlanta, after I graduated college, um, I started working in the community, doing community organizing. Um, There was a group called Solutions Not Punishments Coalition, SNAPCO, 
Um, I think they're called the collaborative now. Um, but we were doing work around pre-arrest di- uh, diversion, um, doing work around black trans women being profiled as sex workers. So, you know, like the whole conversation right now about sex work, like black trans women been, you know, fighting that, that um, stigma and fighting that criminalization. Um, so that really laid the foundation. Um, and then I think also just, being vocal online and like talking about my experiences as a black trans woman um, opened some doors for me to do national organizing now. Mm-hmm. So what's that national organizing look and how how's that experience been um, organizing nationally? So national organizing is tricky <laughs> because I mean one of the biggest parts of community organizing is like the relationships, right? Mm-hmm. That you are based there. Like people ain't gonna fuck with you if you ain't from wherever you're doing work. Say that shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and it's real, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you do national work, like, you just have to understand that and understand um, that building those relationships is even more important. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the program that I'm working on now with uh, black trans women in the South, um, it has been about getting folks in the room um, who are actually drafting these convenings, drafting these circles, who are from these places, right? right? So it's not me as a national person coming in telling folks what they need to be doing. It's me. I'm um, snapping, right? (laughs) Right. No, but it's really just me coming in to facilitate, right, Mm -hmm. and move resources so that other people can really take that leadership mantle on. That's big. That's That's right. (laughs) Because this is something we talk about a a lot of times in, like, activism and organizing is like just people not from a certain area or not from a certain city like coming in with their own agenda you know instead of asking the people from there and like, it's wild. what do you need yeah, you know what I'm saying it's so. wild because these are folks who are like supposed to be empowering these people but they're mm-hmm. simultaneously like taking the power away right by like telling them this is what you need to be doing this mm-hmm. is how you're going to do it as opposed to like we, I think the biggest thing I just took from what you said is like moving the resources like literally just giving them the power mm-hmm. right yeah helping them access this power. Right. And I mean, being from the South, right, Mm -hmm. I think that that helps with working with um, folks who are, whether they're in, like, New Orleans or in Cleveland or Houston, um, it helps, right? Because I can be like, you know, I'm not just some girl coming in from Oakland, right, who who hasn't lived in the South. No, I'm from the South. Mm -hmm. I've only been out here two years. Um... But I, I know what this landscape is like. Right. And how hard it is. I've experienced like, it. People shit <laughs> on the South so much, y'all. Like, in terms of funding, we get, like, a fraction of, of the larger funding, particularly for LGBTQ work. Mm-hmm. Um, this that is something I, never, I never thought about. Nah, you, yeah. So what do you think, like, this is something that I've never heard that before, you yeah. know? So I think what it, like... What do you think the role is of the South, like, particularly in, like, black organizing in this, like, Black Lives Matter movement? Well, I think the the unfortunate thing, right, and this is, I mean, no doubt an element of white supremacy, all of these systems, is that the South is often defined by basically the colonizers, right? Really only defined by the struggle, by slavery, by Jim Crow, by all of these very um, tragic things. And we rarely define it based on the resilience of the black people who are there. Like, it ain't black folks out there putting in hella work. Right. Yeah. Right. MLK from the South. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these folks that are seen as, like, the figures from the South. Yeah. Fannie Lou Hamer. All of these folks. So, 
we have to like honor that history um, and honor that so much work is still going on. Right. And if you can be resilient in the South, then you can be resilient anywhere. Facts. I really believe I that. I see no lies. Yeah. I see no lies. Yeah. I mean, my my granny from Georgia, like, so, so it's like wild to think about, like, you know, like they fled because of the KKK. Mm-hmm. But then also thinking about the people who stayed, you know, because it was the Great Migration, you know, always framed around kind of like people was trying to escape, you know, Jim Crow South, right? But then I think people often forget, like, black folks is still there. You know, I think there's also, like, a trend of, like, black people who moved out of the South moving back. Mm-hmm. That's something we're starting to see, too. So, like, I do think that Where is your granny from? Small, I think Marshallville. Marshallville, I Georgia. Heard of that. I believe. My great-grandparents from Port Arthur, Texas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All Something right. Like that. Okay. I see y'all. Yeah, I feel Georgia like any, Louisiana, like Louisiana. our, like any at this point, like if you're talking about like especially like Oakland, black millennials type shit from Oakland, yeah. like mm-hmm. you got some lineage, especially like your your great grandparents probably migrated from down south. That's at real. this point, yeah. Like from both sides of my family, both my great grandparents are from. I know my on my my dad's side, my great grandparents are from Port Arthur, and. My on my mom's side, my great grandparents are from like some small town in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vidalia, Louisiana, too. That's where a lot of my family from. But I ain't never been there, so it's like that's 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 something I don't even know anything about. Which you need, to I go. need to learn. I need to go. Yeah. That's, that's I don't know. We was talking about New Orleans. Uh, I've been I've been to Louisiana, <laughs> Monroe. Oh shit, Monroe. That's some some backstreet shit. <laughs> you talk about coming up missing. That's one of the motherfucking places. Yeah, I, I've been to. Yeah, the South got a lot of history. One of the um. I think one of the biggest things I just that Blake and I talk about a lot that I saw and that I, like I, I caught on to um, when you were just speaking was just like the importance of like centering the people that are already in these communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I think it's presumptuous for folks to go into a place that they have no connection to and assume that they know better than the folks that are already there. Um, most of the time, and we know this, right, as black organizers, as, as black folks doing the work, like, our folks aren't going to necessarily use the same language that we mm-hmm. have learned in academia or even amongst other organizers, right? right? And that's okay. But that doesn't mean that they don't have the solutions. Um, and and that's key, right? Like, we have to remember that these words, all of these things are things that were defined after we notice these systems, right? So Uh when I talk about, like, trans history in particular and people like Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, some trans women of color, um, trans folks of color who were leading movement at Stonewall, like, they knew what intersectionality was before it was coined. Mm -hmm. Like, they knew that them being black or Latina or queer or trans or poor, low-income, sex workers, drag queens, all of that... They knew all of that was connected, right. you know. So it's it, we're not magic because we have all these cute theories and words, you know. Nigga, it's like church. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for what it feels good to have yeah. somebody else like say the stuff that we say, but it not be coming from our voices. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like, especially with us being, you know, men, that I understand why motherfuckers wouldn't want to listen to us. I get that sometimes. You think it's like, <laughs> oh, niggas need right, to shut up. Right, because I'm halfway out the door right now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but real shit though, right? Because most of the time, niggas be saying some bullshit. And even when they are saying something, they taking something that they didn't got from a black woman, black queer person. You feel what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, it's just, it also gives me um belief to let me know that I'm also on the right path. Because I always mm-hmm. say like, my as of late, like my politics have definitely been shaped 
identified like black women and black queer folks like that's just that's just fact my I've learned a lot from from those two demographics so um yeah it's just I think it's important that we not always speaking out of turn or just like you know saying shit that I'm getting from other people I think it's important that we center these people that we're supposed to be in solidarity with right um so yeah and I peep that a lot when we go out and we we work with the houses folks right like I feel like we check ourselves on making sure that we're not trying to tell them what they need, right? right. Or tell them how they need to be helped. That's right. something I, I think we try to check ourselves on a lot. Asking people first. You yeah. know, I think people just want to go into communities with their own intentions rather than asking the community what they And, need. like, it don't even matter about you know intent, I mean? right? Like, like, even if we got from the bottom of our hearts, we want to help motherfuckers. If, like, that's not how they feel. Like, if they don't feel like they're being helped, who cares what your intention is? On the most simplest things. Like, one example is, like, we used to have, like, bar soap when we go out in to do our breakfast program. Mm-hmm. People's like, nah, we don't want bar soap. We want liquid soap because it's easier if you, you don't, don't need, need water. no water. Right. So, like, yeah. all right. Little shit like that, right? Like, us like coming that, in trying know? to... Tell motherfuckers how what kind of soap they need, right? right. Like, look, we supposed to be helping, and we look some might be making shit a little harder on them. You feel what I'm saying? Right. But yeah, that's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I know one thing you was talking about too was like centering community too, and centering like relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I know for us, that's how important. I think that's what led to like this breakfast program is like not even about organizing, but like who are we as two people? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what is like our lives besides this 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 work this organizing so like right. can you just talk a little bit more about like the role of relationships and why it's just so important you know for this movement to like value relationships right i mean i think if we understand that we all have some kind of trauma right and that we actually have a lot of overlapping traumas in all of our communities whether it's the black community or the queer community or whatever community you're a part of So that means that trust is even more important. Um, So that means just because you come in and you another black person, like, I mean, what people be saying, not all All, all skin skin folk or kin folk. (laughs) I mean, that's true, right? Like, if Ben Carson rolled up in here today, I'm not going to be like, this dude out here fighting for my rights. Like, he don't give a fuck about me. Right. You know, or or most other black folks. Um, so so it's key, right? Like you do kind of have to prove yourself and and prove that you are trustworthy. Um, and it can be insulting, right? If you've been doing this work somewhere else, you just assume like everyone regards you in the same way, but that's not true. Right. Um, so I so I think that building that trust is key. Um, and just remembering like there's something larger than just starting campaigns and just moving the work, right? Like you gotta, you gotta love on each other in this work, cause I, it, I can, mean it's hard. Yeah, I think people can make this. Like I've seen people make organizing even transactional, right? Like mm-hmm. a service that's supposed to be for like something that I think that's mostly fueled by like for me it's fueled by like empathy, like how you talked about your early experiences, like led to you doing the work that you're doing, right? Like I think a lot of the work that we do is fueled by empathy right so it's like if you, you if you lose that connection with people and you start making shit transactional this is when you become a person who you know can commodify movements and co-opt movements and right yeah, like a lot of people that we know i say that i'm just saying you know, i mean if you know, right. listen to episode two <laughs> i think of van jones selling everybody out <laughs> hey man we, i thought <laughs> Um, No, I mean, that's so true, though. I mean, I I think also the ways that we look at service and work, we have to be very clear about what is informed by capitalism. Mm -hmm. And so when we see each other as needing to be martyrs and needing to be the one leader and needing to be the one who gets all the credit, like, 
That's not, is that really in the service of collective liberation? Like, is it even about the people anymore at this point? Right. Like, now you're, now you're, now your activism is ego-driven. Like, I don't, you know, it's <laughs> like, you could just do all these speaking engagements, you do all these panels, you do these interviews, but does mm-hmm. anybody know you? Not to you, say that we don't need to I mean? be getting paid I mean, for the work, right? We sh- like, you should. No I free mean, labor. And I think, there, like, we need to do be speaking engagements and things like that to spread, like, political education. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, if I'm only doing speaking engagements... And you and ain't I'm never not doing in the communities in that the community, is. or people don't know me where <laughs> in the community, right. like, or I'm not helping people who need it more than I do, you know, because mm-hmm. like I, you know, and I, that's real. I mean, that's been one thing that's that's been honestly like a struggle for me because I I studied journalism mm-hmm. and I came out of media, so like I I know how media operates, um, and I think knowing how to craft a story so that people will pay attention to it. Mm-hmm has, of course, like, informed my career. But I really didn't just want to be a media figure. Like, I wanted to do organizing. And so it really wasn't until after I started getting, like, attention, at least on social media, that I was like, okay, no, let me step back. What am I actually tangibly doing for the community? Um, So it is a mixture of... It is a mixture of speaking. It is a mixture of events. But it's also being on the ground and I think Mm. the things that people don't often see is that work that's on the ground especially for me Um, and I think that that's because I I don't necessarily trust I don't know I don't trust like the general public to always respect the work happening in trans communities of color makes sense Um, so I feel more guarded about my organizing work than I am about like public Mm -hmm. speaking or whatever appearances Right. And I think, like, fo- like we were in this generation now where it's like, if you don't see it on Twitter, if you don't see it on Instagram, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you didn't tweet about this breakfast program, you didn't tweet about the work you just did, it's like, that didn't happen. You know, I think that's, like, really dangerous, too, to just make yeah, those, like, first assumptions, like, I didn't see it on Twitter, I didn't see no hashtag, so that, <laughs> that work isn't meaningful. That's something right. I, I struggle with right now, too, is, like, not trying to like glorify this work and also not wanting to be like made like a spokesperson for this work also and also not wanting to be like made famous for this shit like bro like mm-hmm. this shit is not lit like oh I see y'all breakfast oh you do breakfast program huh? like it's like it's cool but like my nigga this shit also come with a lot of Stress. emotional trauma my nigga like right. it's not shit lit like that like, like I would that, if I know. wish I didn't have to do this work like I wish, motherfuckers. Right. I wish I. I wish I didn't have to do this shit. It's kind of rejecting. Cause sometimes I think people put activists or organizers on this like weird pedestal in a sense. Like mm-hmm. put this like superhero trope in a sense. Like oh, you're you're doing all this. And it's like nah. It's like we doing this like because our lives like depend on it. We ain't trying to be no hero. We ain't trying to be on some like savior. We just. We really just trying to help people. And if you're not careful, right. you can start smelling your own shit and really and become <laughs> become some of these people who like nigga. I, I am the voice of the movement. I am the leader. I am. Niggas, I am T'Challa. You feel me? Like I, I, oh, I don't wow. want to. So I, yeah, <laughs> I think making that point of like how how what helps me, and I think you made that point perfectly. Is like literally just staying grounded and staying in the community. Like okay, mm-hmm. I've been doing these speaking engagements. I've been writing. It, I've been writing this right now. But when the last time I really been sp- spending time with the folks who right. I'm claiming to serve, right? Yeah. And I mean you can do both, right? Like easily. I, I it, it's hard for Not me. Not easily. You yeah, but you can, you, can do both. you can do both. Right. No, it's hard. Um, cuz I, I you know I write and I I'm like working on a book right now and I almost 
never have time to do all the writing I need to do because I'm doing work, doing the work, (laughs) doing the organizing. Um, And that's okay, right? Like, I think those sacrifices are key. Like, what is it for me to not spend this time writing this page Mm -hmm. and be on the phone, you know, trying to help somebody through a crisis or whatever they're going through? Like, that, that is worth it to me. Um, But I think it is a balance, right? That you don't um, lose yourself. Like, it's okay to have personal goals, especially around expression, around art, around all the things that you want to accomplish, um, but balance that with the work in the community and for the collective. Definitely. Well, when that book come out, we're going to get you back. I want to say, this is a perfect book. time for you to go ahead and like pub that shit. If you got a little title like... or release date or something, you might want to pub uh, that. <laughs> I don't. I don't yet. Um, but hopefully something is coming soon. So I'll keep y'all posted. Uh, shit, hopefully by the time that motherfucker drop, we got a big-ass platform and we can, you know, have all of our listeners copying your shit, all right. 50,000 of them if we get to that. Oh, thing. Lord. You know what I'm that'd be, you know, not on no black capitalist type shit, but, you know, get right. your coin. Right. <laughs> get your coin. You support the people doing the work is yeah. my, my thing. You know, support people who is in the trenches, you know, doing, making, you know, sacrifices in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, you know, sometimes sacrifices that, like, hurt us in, in this work. Like, I know... There's some things like organizing wise, like that's not that cool. You know, things happen in organizing spaces that ain't cool. Ain't you know, like so. I think that's a perfect segue into like, cause Raquel talked about like traveling for work, writing a mm-hmm. book, um, being a national organizer. Like that sounds lit, right? But it can often be romanticized. But like, it's some heavy shit. Why? Why do you think this is 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 romanticized so much? Like even we talked about being a martyr, right? Like people even think that like dying for the work is like the goal. Why do you think this kind of work gets romanticized? Um, yeah, so first off, I'd be knocked out on every plane. <laughs> so if I'm ever on a plane with somebody, I'm going to probably be asleep, so don't talk to me. Um, why is it romanticized? Um, you know, I think with... Um, I think a lot of it really has to be reduced to the visibility factor, right? Like, what visibility means to a lot of people. Like, being known and being recognized. Um, A lot of times, that is the validation that people never had, right? Because of trauma, because Mm -hmm. of oppression. Um, And so that's been one thing that I've been very clear about keeping in check. Like, likes and follows and all of that, that's cute, but that doesn't fill me in the same way as being around my family, being around my nieces and nephews, my friends, my folks, like, that I'm I'm in the trenches with, right? The, the ones who are always going to be there. Um, so I, I think there's that part, right? The visibility, the validation part. Um, and I think also, you know, in some ways... Even being able to call yourself an activist or an organizer is a privilege. Like, that does, and I'm not saying that that means that, like, you popping, you rich, you got all this, you at all the best mm-hmm. parties, whatever. But even having the space to, to dedicate to something other than just your personal survival is a privilege. A privilege that a lot of our folks don't have. A lot of black folks don't have the privilege to be like. 
Yeah. I'm a smart nigga too. <laughs> I ain't never looked at it that way. And and, yeah. and for a lot of like trans people of color, I'll be like back when I was doing like community organizing, I'd be like, Come to this event, you know, come learn about this. They like intersectionality, who what's that? Like I why would I go to this when, you know, she might be doing sex work to like have another meal, right? Which is real. Um, so I, so it's been so important for me to like keep that part of my work in check and just understand like to even call myself an activist or an organizer it is a privilege in some ways yeah like delincey's he like he's taught me about like doing i don't call myself an activist or organizer i'm like at first i was like hmm you know i was like what do you mean you know what i'm saying because like yeah. that's such especially being in black student organizing like a lot of my organizing was centered uh, in black student spaces yeah that's like the 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 buzzword you know i'm like damn and i thought more about it. I'm like yeah i don't know why like because it's sometimes it's put in the box in a lot of ways, yeah. and it's like, oh, you're supposed to live this way, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this, and you're also supposed to uphold kind of, in a lot of ways, some, like, certain, like, respectability it, yeah, politics in some of, ways, yeah. you know? So I'm like, nah, I'm just, I'm a person who just give a fuck about my community. Like, at the bottom yeah. of this, that's what motivated me is, like, I see this I see this happening, and I care about these people, and it ain't yeah. about no term, you know what I mean? And it's like, thinking about the most, the people I respect, like my, my auntie Stella, she was an OUS Oakland school teacher for 42 years. She like the dopest like activist organizer that I would ever think of, but I don't think she'd ever use those words to describe herself. Right. You know, and I was like, damn. Yeah, even if by like, I think when I reached that conclusion was at this time I saw I saw the movement like being I saw a lot of movements being co opted and commodified, and that's when I was mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't want to just be like I see people like throwing that term around hella loosely and it's like being like, weaponized. Hashtag BLM. Yeah, hashtag like it's just being, <laughs> being weaponized, and I also saw that people were putting like like labels and like conditions on like what like conditions and definitions of what an activist and organizer was and I when I looked at myself I'm like if it's 10 bullet points based on some respectability politics I only meet two of them motherfuckers and that don't take away from none of the work that I'm doing so I don't want right. to be labeled as that because then y'all gonna be, as soon as I show some parts of me that don't match this definition right. then y'all gonna try to discredit me so before I even give y'all a chance to discredit you I'm going right. to take the label off myself. Like, no, nigga, I'm not no organizer. Right. You no, see what we're sipping no, on when no, we're making I'm this podcast? Activist. It'd be like, oh, you ain't no organizer. Bruh. You're supposed to be sober. I tell this story all the time, and a lot of my, this is probably going to be the first time some um some listeners hear this shit. But I stripped at a party like two years ago, and somebody was like, somebody, like, people, like, you know, like, I told, like, yeah, I stripped at a party. Like, it was, you know, it was a, somebody's bachelorette party. Yeah, bachelorette, right? Yeah. And I stripped. So you were like, it was like an impromptu thing, or like, my at the time my cousin was dating a stripper, okay. and she was like, "I got a money play for you." Like I had been talking like, and "Yeah, I'll strip, like, I'll strip for like a year, for like a year." And she was like, "She hit me one day like, nigga, you been talking? What's up?" I'm like, "Okay, I'll do it." Anyway, I did this, I did this shit, and somebody like that I know was like, "How you gonna be out here caring for the community and you stripping?" And I was like, "What?" Like, I, I like, yeah. that's why I was like, "See, that's that's the problem." Like. From now on, I will not call myself something because when I do some more stripping shit, because I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I only did it that one time, but if the opportunity presented itself again, I'm going to yeah. do it. And I don't want y'all thinking like, oh, you organized, you can't strip. No, I'm, so now when Blake be like, send me your bio, I'm just a nigga from Oakland that cares about his community. That way y'all can't put no labels on me and stop me from doing shit. But yeah, that's the reason why. I know. mean, that's real. I mean, that's the weight of a label. Right. Um, <laughs> I also think it comes. I also think <laughs> he's like you didn't think I we was going to talk about this today, that. right? Right. <laughs> but it, right. that's that's why I had to I had to give some like background as to why I don't mm-hmm. want to like use that label. But I also think that like those terms do come with like some um 
I don't know if prestige is the word I'm looking for, but like it's a lot of history behind that, right? And like mm-hmm. it can be something like that you should be proud of. Like if you, by definition, you are organizing your community, you are out here fighting for people. Like we all doing that, right? So like, yeah, I think when I'm around folks like you all who don't put boundaries and limitations on what an organizer or activist looks like and doesn't mm-hmm. feed into politi- political like uh, respectability politics, right. then around y'all, I can consider myself a, a community organizer uh, and an activist. But around like people who telling me to pull my pants up and type shit like that, and like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool off that. Type <laughs> right. like, y'all can have that shit. I mean, you know, I often use activists and organizer interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do look at them differently. Like if someone tells right. me they're an activist, I don't necessarily assume that they have worked in the field, right? But mm-hmm. if someone says they're an organizer, that to me tells me like they they have been in the field. Maybe they've studied under folks, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Because right. organizing is a, is is a science, right? right? I mean, it's an art and a science. Yeah, strategic. Um, it's like planning. Yeah, mm-hmm. doing the shit that ain't cool. Right. And, and <laughs> I don't want to downplay <laughs> activists, but you feel me? Like, yeah, nah. that's a lot. Of it people, can be hella reactionary. Yeah. A lot of people call themselves activists. I mean, and that's just real, right? Like, I'm not shading anybody, but... Somebody called Barbara Bush an activist or social justice. Don't get me started on her, I'm not going to start on that. Sorry, I'm... I was having a good day. (laughs) I'm going to stop talking. Right, and (laughs) activism has been so um, commoditized now, right? So, like, now it is so, so tied up in capitalism, right? Like, we see it all the time. We see... Folks, um, we like see your companies. Home girl, like your homegirl B, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, she has never called herself an activist. Let's be clear. I don't think she has. Oh, yeah, let me stop. But see, people was, have put that on her. Yeah. You know? But, I mean. And just because show, you're a feminist consider, doesn't mean you're an activist. People for sure consider Beyonce. But that's not her problem. She didn't, you know. I mean, we're gonna, we gonna talk she, about that on the Patreon. If you want to look at it as cultural organizing, what she does, I could see that, right? <laughs> yeah, what's in I a think, way? I think we should dive into that. We have about twelve minutes left. I would, oh, wow. I, right? This went by real this fast. Is fun. I know. Yeah, I'm like, we need to get two Ooh, hours or some shit. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so if you want to tap into this next part of the episode, fuck with us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash hellblackpod. You know, Patreon. Become a patron. You feel me? We in here sipping patron. You know Shout what out saying? Raquel. <laughs> Raquel for sliding through. Uh, I appreciate you. This yeah. is dope. So now we're going to get into this extended episode. Ooh. Patreon exclusive. You know, so we have a real special guest with us. We're going to talk about the beehive. And be tell us.